Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Well, folks, we're back. It's Biscuits Calling a Hockey Podcast. I'm Dave, Dave Lozo of um, Earth. And uh, you know the Ottawa guy, the Ottawa office, where apparently you're making plans to do a live show for one person with a case of beer on his porch. Congratulations on that. Yeah, uh, yeah, the uh, Ottawa headquarters of uh, the Vice Empire, uh, where, yeah, apparently we're doing a live podcast in which somebody's just going to go bring a case of beer, leave it on my porch, ring the doorbell, and leave. Oh, they're just going to leave. I thought you were going to go on the porch. Well, that's just... no, that's that's what I was looking for. I don't know if they they may not be. They, they may have had different different things in mind, but yeah. Oh, well, that's good. How's how's uh, how's how's the off season treating you at this point? Are you are you pumped? I I know we, I know we said we'll talk, we'll talk about the Leafs later, but I mean, might as well just run it out of the way real quick. Are you are you excited, Kyle Davis? Is, is he your guy? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You have, you have no choice, uh, I guess. I'm, yeah. No, he's I mean we we knew he was going to be the guy. Now it's a question of what the fallout is and and who stays and who goes. And I think everybody assumes Lou Lamarillo is is going to go probably to the Islanders. But the question is is uh Mark Hunter uh you know does he go the the fact that he was not at the press conference that that he hasn't really been heard from since Friday there hasn't been any sort of reassuring like i mean even lou kind of went in front of the microphones and said oh yeah no i'm gonna stick around even if even if it's not true he he made the point of doing that and i don't believe we've heard anything similar for mark hunter so that suggests that he is is potentially on the way out and then now it's a question of who do you bring in to replace them and how do you rebuild this front office there's there was talk of of ron francis potentially being a guy that they would want to bring in which seems uh, it seems a little curious to me, but I guess there's a relationship there with with Kyle Dubas that uh, he, he may want to continue. Mm-hmm. We'll see. I, I mean, I'm I'm certainly like I feel this is one of those stories that comes up every now and then where I feel like everyone is marshalling on one side or the other and like feeling very strongly already, and I'm just kind of in the middle, not feeling feeling sort of left out and and not sure where i stand because you've got like you've got all the old school guys who who can't handle the fact that somebody young who hasn't been around for 20 years (laughs) nerd is yeah glasses right yeah you know because he's he's a computer guy even though he's like literally been in rinks for like I know. Half like, his life. He's an adult with like a wife and kid too, isn't he? He's like yeah. a full he's like a fully formed person. He is, exactly. He's he's <laughs> you know, and, and he's and he's like 
in any other world, he would be considered like the old school hockey guy who's constantly at the rink, constantly watching hockey. But because he's young enough that he probably knows how Instagram works, he's like some some <laughs> punk millennial. So, are you, I mean, you've got that, which is clearly stupid. But then there's also, you know, I, I mean, I think a, a portion of, of Leaf fans who are ready to already like anoint this guy, the next Theo Epstein or the next guy who's going to just come in and uh, and and just progressively remake this organization and and it's he's got a hard job ahead of him like it it really is it's been said before but it's true like that they the Leafs have made tremendous progress but they've done the easy part now you know getting getting from terrible to good is is tough but getting from good to great is where the real challenge is and he's got a long way to go and you know we'll see he's never been a GM at the NHL level I don't know why I should have strong opinions about whether he'll be good at it or not he he's earned his shot uh and uh, let's let's see how it goes but he's got a team with a lot of strong personalities including mike babcock that he's got to deal with and we'll see uh we'll see how he manages it the two things that i've enjoyed are the fact that six hours five hours after that press conference he said something along the lines of you know the defense here, it's not really that bad or something something along those lines. And people were like, oh, no, what have we done? Oh, no. God, no. It's the one thing. Why as does if, he like the D? No. As if he would like, you know, as if he's going to go out there and be like, you know, our defense is terrible. And I, <laughs> boy, I really have to trade for a defenseman. And I'm really going to be under the gun to get that deal done. And I'm, I'm probably going to have to give up a fortune. I hope none of these. He's like tugging his collar like, whoo, this is going to be hard. I don't know how I'm going to do it. No. <laughs> There's that yeah. in the whole Kiprios thing where Nick Kiprios seems to be like what Darren Dreger was for Dave Nonis back in the day where like, you know, everyone's reporting the same thing like, hey, it's going to be Kyle Dubas. He's going to be the GM. Hey, people like Kyle Dubas, blah, 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 blah. And Nick Kiprios is like. Uh, apparently Kyle Dubas is too afraid to ride the elevator by himself, so he needs Lou to be there the whole time. Just sources tell me, and it's like, come on, yeah. dude, what are you doing? Nick? I will. I well, let me let me just say one thing on on Nick Kiprios. He he did get, I, I don't know. He he got a bad rap because he wrote a piece that said that there were sources around the NHL who were not convinced Kyle Dubas was getting the job and thought that Mark Hunter was still in the running or even the favorite to get the job. And that's what he wrote. He he said there are sources who aren't convinced this is a sure thing, and as sometimes happens in this business, that piece went up with a headline that was much more definitive and basically made it sound like Nick was reporting that Mark Hunter was going to get the job, so that then when Kyle Dubas got it, people were throwing it back at him like, yeah, nice scoop, and you know he's he's like, maybe maybe read the article that I wrote instead of just the headline, but we we know that that's not how things work look i'm just happy if anybody clicks on my stuff if you know if you don't read it it's fine just just click on it just give me the click that's all that's all i'm looking for speaking of your stuff this was overwhelmingly the 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 question i got hit with the most over the weekend and and in the lead up to this week's show Mm -hmm. how can i phrase this because i don't want to say are you i I forgot what i wrote already last week i don't know what you're gonna ask are you are you going to attempt Mm-hmm. to get back onto the Washington Capitals bandwagon. No. Will you be applying for reinstatement? I can't. I can't now that it. you abandon the Capitals and they are stomping a mud hole in the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, see, here's the thing is that I, I don't waver on my beliefs just because a team goes down 2-0. 
except when the Caps did to Columbus, I wavered a little bit. But that's different. This is this is that was the past. This is now, and I, I really, I, like I really think Tampa's not screwed, but I kind of think they are screwed in a way because. <laughs> so here, here's here's my that's overall a good take. Thought. Yeah, like they're they're. Like I, I'm so not ready to. Because actually, I was talking with um, my editors on Sunday night. They were like, "What do you want to write about?" And I was like, "I kind of want to focus on what Tampa's doing wrong." Because blah 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 blah, whatever I wrote. And they were like, "You sure you don't want to write about Ovechkin? You know, he's about to get his chance to play for the Cup." And I was like, "Let's let's hang on a second here. Let's not necessarily put him in the Cup final just yet. I'm not quite ready to do that." Blah blah blah. So my my feeling is that it's it, Tampa's not in trouble because I still think Tampa's way better and now Nick Backstrom's still not going to come back because they don't need him. They're up 2-0 so they're still going to play that depleted Caps lineup that I still don't think is that good. But the thing that has me worried is the way I thought the Caps could win the series was by having Braden Holtby just play out of his mind and they've won two games where like literally you or I could be could have been in net. It wouldn't have mattered. Like Braden Holtby was just kind of there and they just ran them over at 5-on-5 five five, so that concerns me but I just, I just still think Tampa's good enough to win four out of five. I'm not, I'm yep. not ready to, I'm not ready to pump the brakes and and cut off the bandwagon and like at gunpoint throw the bus driver off and get on the bus again. I can't. I'm not ready yet. I'm not ready yet. All right. So, so the answer is that no, we will not have to go through the process of denying your application <laughs> to get back on the bandwagon. Yeah. I mean, you know what? I, I'm, I'm largely with you on that. I, I think, I. I almost feel like, and and I'm kind of alone on this, maybe. Like, Washington was clearly the better team in the first two games, but I didn't feel like the gap was as big as some people are making it out to be. I mean, like, there are people who are saying, like, I mean, they just have absolutely dominated and destroyed the line. Yeah, I mean, first game was 4-2. Second game was a close game right up until the last minute of the the second period, and then then obviously the Lightning were chasing it the, the whole third you know, it's weird because this is the sort of scenario where in any other series, we'd say, well, game three is the crucial one. If, you know, you lose two at home, if you go and you can win that third game on the road, now it's 2-1, you got some momentum, you got a shot to go out and, and even the series, but you need that third game. And and that's true tonight. But at the same time, there's like also that part of you that kind of wants to see Washington go up 3-0, given given all the history and everything. And, you know, it, Washington's the only fan base that after everything they've been through, if they went up 3 nothing in a series, they'd kind of be like, wait a second. I don't know. If, hold on. It'd be like that moment in the horror movie where you're what like... What is this? Yeah. <laughs> okay. The, the, the killer's dead and buried, but, like, we're only an hour and 15 minutes in. It doesn't feel like we're ready for the credits to roll yet. And, yeah, I'm kind of... Part of me kind of hopes Washington wins, goes up 3 nothing, and then, like, Holpe gets beat from center ice 20 seconds into game four. And you just get shots of like thousands of Capitals fans just leaving, just streaming out of the arena. Like, That's nope. it. It's, it's over. Nope. Not this time, <laughs> hockey gods. Like, so I, I, I long, that was a long way to say I'm, I, you know, I'm with you. If Tampa wins this game tonight, I think we're, we've still got a series and I, I don't buy that it's, you know, that this is some sort of, uh, some sort of done deal. Uh, by any stretch because Tampa's a real good team and you know they didn't really show it in the first two games which means they've got another level that they can hopefully get to uh, and soon because they'll need to the the thing that I can't get past from game two the thing that really would bug me as a Tampa fan is you you John Cooper basically used the Braden point line against 
all of the elite competition he faced the first two rounds. The Taylor Hall line, the Patrice Bergeron line, and in the second round, the Patrice Bergeron line absolutely pooped all over the Braden Point line. And John Cooper said, nope, going right back to these guys. Stuck with them. They won the series in five. And it just seemed like after the Caps scored 30 seconds in the game, too, like John Cooper threw up his hands and was like, you know what I need? I got to get Braden Point off the ice, and I got to get Cedric Paquette, Ryan Callahan, and Chris Kunitz out there way more often. And I understand that based on shot metrics, I think it was, I think, I forget what it ended up as, but I think it was like they, they, they controlled like 66% of the shots. So like two of every three shifts, essentially, they were, they were hemming the Ovechkin line into the zone. That was the line they wanted to play against. But if you put three guys on the ice who in 12 games, and I think Kunitz has played 10, but in, in two and a half rounds now, these guys have not scored a goal against the goalie. Ryan Callahan has one empty net goal, and it wasn't even a good empty net goal. There was like 1.2 seconds left when he scored. Like He didn't have to score that goal to win the game. It was over. They have basically no goals in three rounds. So if you put these guys on the ice, like maybe they, they play the Ovechkin line to a draw, but you're also putting them on the ice more than Palat. You're, 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 you're taking shifts away from Tyler Johnson and Braden Point and all these guys, and I just feel like he overthought it. I think he just thought, hey, there's no Nick Backstrom. Let me play the Ovechkin line to a draw and let these other three lines, you know, do their thing against Devontae Smith-Pelly and all those guys. But it, you have you have way better players than the Caps do at this point from top to bottom. Just throw your best players over the board as often as possible. Don't worry about – like, put, put Stamkos and Kucherov out there against Ovechkin and make Ovechkin play defense. Like, why would you put your worst – your most unskilled players on the ice two more minutes in game two than you did – in game one and that's the part that i just don't get it just felt like john cooper kind of got out coached in game two it makes me mad yeah that's it's not a bad take and i'm I, john cooper's been like a weird situation because he's had so much success in tampa and yet right it always feels like there's like a certain segment of that fan base that is kind of like i mean we already i think one of the questions that we got to the to the reader mailbag was like you know if the lightning lose does John Cooper get fired? And it's like, what? I mean, but that's every just led fan them base. to the best best record. Is it? I feel like every fan base wants their coach fired. Like, I don't, like, I don't think this is a fan base fired. thing. I think it's a John Cooper thing. Like, I think there's just certain, certain, you know, something about him where when things are good, they love the guy, but there's there's always that kind of, you know, he had the, there were talk that he wasn't getting along with Stamkos and, and this yeah. and that. So, yeah, I don't know. It's... Uh, you know, I don't, I'm not saying he gets fired. I think that would be pretty ridiculous, but yeah, it's, uh, he's, he's one of those guys where it kind of swings wildly from best coach in the league to potentially not helping as much as he could be. It doesn't help when you keep giving up goals in the final seconds of periods for stupid reasons. Like that's that, that Vasilevsky, like, like, I don't, like, I understand if you're a lightning fan, you're like, oh, Vasilevsky didn't trip him. He Burkowski felt, no, he stuck his leg out. He knew what he was doing there. He was trying to set a little pick and he got too far into it. And then he scored on himself. Like that was the whole game. That's why, like, I, I agree with you that the games have been closer than they've seemed. But if, if you're, if you're Tampa and you're constantly doing things the Caps would do the past two years and you keep choking or not choking choking is the wrong word but you keep having these like brain cramps you're, you're not gonna win and uh, I, I just i don't know the, the the whole cedric pocket thing just drove me insane it was just so weird i'm watching game two and i keep looking up and i keep seeing ryan callahan on the ice and it's like is pierre mcguire coaching this team why is ryan callahan getting all these shifts i don't i don't under, oh chris kunitz oh here's the highlight package yeah you don't get nbc man down here for whatever reason during the intermission periods 
it's either Eddie Olchek or, or Jeremy Roenick. They love to highlight like the 17th best player on the team and like show his shifts. Like it was Scott Hartnell last round for the Preds, and now it's Ryan Callahan and Chris Kunitz for Tampa. And it's just like I get it. These guys block shots and they they hustle and stuff, but they stink. They they shouldn't be playing as much as they. There's a reason why they're the fourth line, and I I get John Cooper has to play four lines. So how much of that is Steve Eiserman's fault? Where you know, these other teams can actually roll out 12 players that can actually do some stuff, and he only has nine, and he's still playing the last, uh, the fourth line thing drives me, they're, they're probably going to make lineup changes tonight, so this is all pointless that I'm yelling about this, but I just I just don't get the whole idea of a, you know, quote, checking line in 2018. Drives me nuts. Drives me nuts, man. <sighs> the other thing in this series that happened that was interesting, and even though it didn't end up determining the outcome of a game game two tj oshi gets called for high staking victor headman two minutes lightning score on the power play looked like it was going to be an important goal ended up like i say not not really mattering in the in the big picture uh but it was a pretty standard call except for the small detail uh that oshi stick didn't actually touch victor headman it was the puck uh, and you can understand in, in real time how how it, it, it kind of looked otherwise because the stick was kind of up there in the area. Sure. Uh, but if only there was, was a way to fix that, it. Sean. If only there was a way. If only could... there was a way to fix that. Hmm. So because I don't I, you know, I don't know what you guys got. But in the Canadian broadcast during during the intermission, they had a, a, actually a pretty heated debate uh, over whether. Uh, there should be some form of replay review or, or some way uh, that this the, these sorts of plays could be managed. And they showed a, an example from March where the same sort of thing had happened to Roman Pollock of the Leafs. And he'd been given a penalty, and then the officials apparently saw the replay on the scoreboard and rescinded the penalty, which is something that nobody really knew they were allowed to do. But maybe they should, because at the end of the day... Yep. You just want to get the call right. So, I mean, what are your feelings on this before I, I tell you what the right answer is? Um, clearly, high sticking is a thing that should be reviewed if you want to review it because it's not a it's not a penalty where it's subjective. If a stick hits you in the face, the visor, the neck, the throat, that should be two minutes. And if it doesn't, you shouldn't get called for a penalty. And as, as opposed to interference and, and offside where you got to kind of check the microscopic lens of the tip of the blade next to the blue line. And is that ice or snow or is that, what is that? I can't tell what that is. Is that, is that the parallax offside angle? It's just a stick hitting a face. So yeah, you could just look up at the scoreboard. Did that stick hit his face? No. You can look at the eye, the, the eye tablet dealy. Is it, no, it didn't. Oh, it did hit him in the face. That's two minutes. It's a simple, easy, quick review. And I know that you people, you, you, I don't know, Canadians will say, that's not really Canadians. It's not really old people. I can't. I don't know why you fall into the anti-review thing because people are just like, oh, that's what we need is more reviews. We all agree referees are terrible. We need we need these safety nets for referees, and you don't want to have a penalty like the one that happened in Game Two cost you the game. So why not just you know, hey, skate over? Be like, hey, that hit his face. Like, no, 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 it's okay. Look at baseball. Baseball has been doing review for what, like, two years now, three years. It's so much better now than it was when it first started. You have to give it time to sort of get 
you know, streamlined and so it moves quicker. Like now reviews in baseball don't take seven minutes. Like they're pretty quick. And hockey, I think they've gotten a little bit better with the interference here since they let Colin Campbell and his, his old referee friend watch replays. You you need you need a little you need a little safety net for the high stick, Sean. So so tell me tell me why you hate technology and calls me incorrect and why you love the human element. Here, here's the thing. I, <laughs> I I don't know if you're aware of this, uh-huh. but I occasionally complain uh-huh. about the NHL. What? I occasionally yeah I guess look so. at things that the NHL is doing and either shake my head or or more likely either say or write about what a bunch of maroons these guys are and how they're they're doing things wrong. But I got to say there are times where I take a step back and I look at hockey fans and the hockey world and I go maybe they get the league that they deserve. And this is one of those times because if you can honestly sit through the last two years of NHL hockey and everything we've gone through with offside reviews and everything we've gone through with uh, interference reviews, and you can see a play like that and you instantly, your reaction is, I know what we need, more review. More review will solve this. More review will go smoothly and it will be a good thing and we'll all like it. If, if you honestly, after the last two years, if that's your reaction... You probably deserve more review, and you deserve the version that we would get from this league because we have been down this. What like the the play that we saw there? That T.J. Oshie, Victor Hedman, that is the Matt Duchesne offside of high sticking controversy. Yes, it's obvious. Yes, it's the sort of play where you go, surely we can just review that. That's what we all thought when Matt Duchesne. But, but it happened last round too. It's not really the Matt Duchesne thing. It happened with with the Bruins and the Lightning, where there was a double minor call that shouldn't have been a high sticking penalty. It, it happened it a hap- lot. Does it happen a lot? A lot, or does it happen a, lot, a, a few here. times a year? Which is, you don't need replay review for plays that happen a few times a year. And and let me just say here, because I know some people, anyone who's followed me for a long time is probably thinking it. Okay, I'm all in on complaining about a missed high stick call i have been complaining about one missed high stick call for Uh, 25 years now here we go most of my life i have spent complaining about a missed high stick call so if i'm sitting here saying we don't need replay review for high sticking calls you know nobody should be at calling for this because here's the thing you know again like any kind of well we should have replay which okay what does replay look like how does it work is it a challenge do we have you know, is it something that the league instigates? Is it something, you know, you look at that play. Yeah, that play was obvious. Again, that's the Matthew Shane play. What if the camera angle is a little bit different? What if it's not obvious? What if you're looking at the replay and you're going, I don't think the stick got him. Maybe it did from that one angle. It kind of looks like it did, but from the other angle, it doesn't. I'm not really sure. Now, what do we do? You know, what do we do when, you know, you've got the angle, except oh, player skates by and your, our view's kind of blocked. And, oh, geez, we're not really sure. You know, what do, what do you do then? Don't it's, challenge it. That's all. So, so I mean, we're if because if, I'll tell you right now, if we're going to make it a coach's challenge, the number one rule of coach's challenge that we've learned is you give a coach a challenge, you think they won't use it very often, they will use it often. I guarantee if you've got coach's challenge, I know everyone says, oh, it's oh, high sticking, it's black and white. You wait. What, what happens when there's a goal scored and coach goes, hey, no, actually, I'm challenging 30 seconds before 
when that guy threw a body check, he kind of had his stick up against his body, and we think the stick brushed against the other guy's visor. That's high sticking. Take the goal off the board. Okay, how about, do we how do about this? How about you can only review it when it's whistled as high sticking? If it's a high sticking penalty that doesn't which exist, is, yeah. then you can overturn it. How Wh- about that? Which, which seems to be what people are suggesting. So you huh. can do review to take away a high stick, but you can't do it to, to add one. Right. Which, again, that to me makes more sense, but okay. But... So what happens now when we see that same play, obviously, except it's the other way, okay? Victor Hedman goes down. Oh, I got hit with a stick. The official comes in and waves it off. No, no, it was the puck. And you look at a replay, and it's TJ Oshie hitting him over the head with his stick. And you go, oh, the referee clearly blew that. I promise you, if we've got replay review going the other way, somebody's going to say, well, why wouldn't we do it both ways? This doesn't make any sense. Surely we need more review. You open the door. Uh. And then, yeah, what happens when it's a slash? Slashing's, you know, that slashing's not that oh, subjective. Look what at, happens look if it's... Look at you slippery you slope in this argument. Down. Come on. Sometimes the slippery slope Come on. is true. There really are such things as slippery slopes. And as soon as... We, we went down with interference. It was a stupid thing. Interference should have never been a review because it's a subjective play. High sticking, I realize people think it's black and white. It's not. Every single time that a player gets his stick over the shoulder and makes contact is not a penalty. I'm sorry. It doesn't get called that way. If you want it called every single time, as soon as you do replay review, the problem is, as soon as you say we're doing replay review because we want to get it right, you have to get it right every single time. That's not because, true. And, you, you and if want, you, you don't, want to, but you don't have people to. People complain. You have to try. You have to try, Sean. We have to, we have to try to be better We've as been a trying society, with offside, as a and everybody hates it. We've been trying with goalie interference, and everybody hated it for two years. Why would this be different? Why would this same system with the same people running it somehow yield a different result where this doesn't get used often, it doesn't turn into, there's no unintended consequences, there's no unexpected results, it works great. Why would you possibly think that doing the same thing for a third time would yield a different result than the disaster we've had the first two times we did it? Here, here's, here's what your argument sounds like to me with the whole, have you seen how bad we are at offside and interference? You really want to do a third thing? It, it reminds me when, like, I was a kid and I didn't want to do something. You know, your mom was like, you know, you know, do this, do that. And, like, yeah, go outside and rake the leaves. And you go outside and you just, you just, I don't know how to rake the leaves. This rake is weird. Am I holding it upside down? Like, I don't know how to get the leaves in the back. And eventually they're just like, fine, I'll do it. I don't want you messing it up. Like, that's that that seems to be how you're trying to get out of the interference thing about being like, look how bad they are at, interfe- at interference and I'm offsides. saying look how bad they are at the other two things. Yeah, but it's only been two review. years though. It's only been two years. Like it could get better. Just because it's not perfect yet doesn't mean... Plus this is, okay, well, in, in when NHL it gets too, better and we all feel like they've nailed it, then we can talk about adding new uh, things. But if it's if they've done it twice and it's broken twice, let's not add a third thing until you fix the first two. That seems not, like a reasonable... It's not broken. It's, it's not perfect, but it's better. It's, it's uh, what broken. About the Mar- what about the Marc-Andre like Fleury interference three months game? talking about goalie interference every single week on this podcast and how it wasn't working. You can't turn around now and go, ah, it was actually pretty good. We can add a new one. I mean, it, it, it's, it works sometimes. It, it's, it doesn't... It, like, look at the Marc-Andre Fleury thing in game one, right? That was game one, where the puck... It was clearly not interference. The, the contact with the goalie didn't matter. They waved it off, looked at it, and were like, oh, our, my bad, that's a goal. That was the right call. So it, it works sometimes, for sure. Sometimes. Yeah, it works sometimes. But if, the, that's, if that's your argument for using it on a play like that Victor Hedman play that, again, happens a few times a season, 
you know, the fact that they had to reach back to March to find an example to use, you know, with the Roman Pollock thing is pretty good indication that this isn't happening very often. March is like a month and a half ago. But, That's not that far. Yeah. It's, and plus it's Toronto. So that's the one they remember up there in Toronto when they're looking for a highlight. I'm sure it's happened. I, You know what? When we're sitting here a year from now watching five <laughs> minutes of frame by frame to try to figure out whether a stick brushed up against somebody or it didn't. And we're all sitting around going, what the hell were we thinking? Why did we add another replay? Just because of one obvious missed call, which by the way, there's four officials on the ice. They all have the ability to, to overrule that call. I, I mean, at some point, again, I say this as somebody who has not shut up about one missed high stick for 25 years. So I get it. I get where people are coming from. But at some point, mistakes happen. Oh, okay? And I don't think it adds element. to the game. It's oh. this is. I'm not saying human element oh, adds to it. No. But mistakes happen. What you can't review everything we can't stop the game every few minutes to go frame by frame to make sure it's perfect but no one's sometimes you everything they're just saying freak plays happen uh. mistakes happen it's some well what's the argument for not reviewing you know where is the line then where what do we not review if this is okay if they you know like See, what are we you're, not you're, reviewing? Your slippery slope in your straw man and you're all over the place. There's no straw man here. It's the slippery slope. Yeah, because yeah, no, your straw is, your straw man is we can't review everything. No one's saying they review everything. We're saying they review a high stick. Nobody is saying review everything. Everybody's saying you know review this, but we won't review everything. Okay, where's the line? Where do we stop? Right here, high sticking. That's it. Nothing and else. And that's it. So the no next sla- time, no slashing, so, no hooking. So next game when there's a too many men on the ice penalty, and then we see on the replay, actually the guy did get to the bench in time. We're not gonna, we're not gonna decide to start reviewing those. Well, you could, you actually could if <sighs> if <laughs> you could. And if, the next time there's a tripping call, and we see the guy stepped on the puck, we're not gonna review those. What, what you could do with too many men is what what what's the distance? It's like five feet. You got to be with some whatever the number is. You can put like a little halo around the bench, and if the dude isn't inside that halo on the replay, then you can and if there's of... a call where there's a an a, a team gets scored on because they got called for icing, but then we actually find out ah you know they weren't close. We're not gonna review those. I mean that's black and white white in the rule book. If there's a goal on an offensive faceoff and we look at the replay and oh, actually that guy had his skate over the line, we're gonna review those now. I mean where where do we stop? on this reviewing every little thing that happens in a fast game that is being officiated by four guys who Aren't have got to make calls in real time. Where do we stop? If it's high sticking, you know, you give me, you give me a signed agreement that we, I give you high sticking reviews and we never talk about this again. I'm all in, but we know that's not going to happen. Like we I, know it's not going to happen. There's I, always going to be a next thing we can review. I can like picture us doing this podcast in like 1985, and somebody was like, "Should we review goals?" And you'd be like, "Goals, you know, uh, goals, goals I've goals, seen." Of that. course, goals. There was never argument about goals other than how do you get the technology to work. There was never an argument, and there was never a situation where people felt like, you know, that we didn't have two years of reviewing goals and getting calls wrong and getting calls that still weren't clear. And, we still do get know, calls that aren't clear on goals. Not every we single get calls one that aren't clear, and then yeah. and then the ruling stands, and people understand that the, reviewing for goals works. I'm not anti replay in general. I mean, there are certain things that it works for, but we've expanded it, and and we do it the same way every time. We wait till there's one incident that is clear and obvious, and we go, well, that can't happen. So let's review everything. Everything. To make you sure see, that that keep, one play doesn't everything. happen again, and then that everything. play doesn't happen, we end up using the review on dozens and dozens and dozens of other calls that nobody ever wanted reviewed, but once you introduce it, that's how it gets used. 
like offside reviews have gotten better since they changed the uh, the what do I want to call it? Like the 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 punishment for getting it wrong. Now not every single tiny like it, it still comes down to that sometimes, but they figured that out. Interference. I feel like the last half of the you know, the last half of the season, but the last couple months. I don't know. I haven't really seen too many interference reviews where they made a call and I was like, "What? I don't understand everything." I they, they, I feel like they're they're getting better with that. And you just you, you need if to give they're people getting more time. better, great. When they get to the point, yeah, then give it more time and don't well, they, add they need anything practice. else to the pile until you feel like we've got this nailed down and we've learned something and we know how to do this in a way that we're not going to be sitting there going. Ah, you know, there's only going to be like five plays a year that get reviewed for this high sticking rule. And then suddenly there's five in the first week and we're all looking around going, oh, what did we do? We did it again. I can't believe we fell for this again. <laughs> but hey, you, you know, you know what a really good thing about review is? Horn of Doom. We got a Horn of Doom last week. We did. I love the Horn of Doom. The Horn of Doom was fantastic. I, and and I remember... there was a play last night in the, in the uh, and we'll get to Winnipeg Vegas after, but there was a play last night where... After when they scored the second goal and then they got the breakaway right again, uh, right away off the faceoff, and it kind of and there was this, it sort of sounded different, and you're like, you had that moment where you're like, are we gonna get the horn of doom? And you're like watching them skate around, like just like no, and then after about twenty seconds, you're like, nah, okay. Like I really hate how in the San Jose game that that like they didn't know what it was right away. They're like, oh, the horn blew. Oh, that's interesting. Like, oh, it's a goal. That's what that means. It's like you should be like it's like the Vegas. This has happened enough that. That yeah, we people need to understand what's going. On. I mean, it 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 was fun in the old days where you could just keep playing for three minutes and then find out <laughs> that none of that mattered. But uh, uh, short of that, I do I do enjoy the fact that it's got to be fun to be an NHL referee. You know, well, you make a mistake uh, at your job, they blow a horn, and then you have to announce in front of twenty thousand people what you got wrong. It's fun. It's good. Stuff. It's beautiful. Uh, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll 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 talk about the uh, the series between Vegas and Canada's Vegas, Winnipeg. And uh, since Winnipeg has a chance to be the first Canadian team uh, in the Stanley Cup final since Vancouver, we will get to what the Sedins did that year and their 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 effect on that city of Vancouver and what they what they meant there. So we'll we'll come back with all that in about two point four somethings. All right, be right back. Bye. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. All right, we, 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 we reviewed the first half of the show, and uh, after review, it turned out that I was correct about everything, and, and Sean People should know wrong. we continued to argue during <laughs> the break. Yeah, uh, is... re- really quickly, we're not going to continue to do this, but like the fact that the NHL is so intense about how a puck is dropped, like whoa, 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 are you whoa, get that stick? Whoa, you're out of here, buddy. One more of those, and it's going to be a two minute minor. But yet, the yeah. idea of like making sure a guy wasn't incorrectly called for high sticking is like, hey, hang on, is, let's not get crazy. But the, isn't, how, it, how, isn't it weird that 
all of these centers are cheating constantly on the face-offs to the point that they constantly need to be reprimanded and they constantly need to be thrown out and yet none of them ever cheat the second time i know that would draw the two-minute penalty interesting isn't it it's so i guess i guess the rule works i guess everyone they cheat like maniacs right up until they get the first warning mm-hmm. and then they're good little boys who it's like in a face off properly it's like in a, like a game six or a game seven how it's just weird how no one takes a penalty the last 40 minutes of a game yeah. i don't know how that my, how that my favorite part of the face off is like when the first guy gets warned so now the linesman is watching the second guy so closely that his opponent can just like his opponent just comes like three feet over the line and just like catches yeah. the puck in his hand and takes off and the linesman's like oh sorry i turns out i can only watch one person at a time so it's a freebie it's a freebie for that guy because he can't get and then the whole like I, there was a face-off last night i think where like the dudes in the face-off circle like fell and the linesman like didn't move he didn't get out of the way he just sat he just st- stood there and looked to see if anyone touched it with their glove like ah uh, man the, the the face-off rules are so intense and yet everything what else we need everything every else? hear me out every linesman wears a little gopro on their head and every face-off we stop and review it and everybody crowds around. They can pull out their iPhone. Everybody watches the footage and decides what they did right and what they did wrong. Man, it'll be great. You're so cynical. Oh, I think man. You're, I think I you're love this, it I, when people stand around and look at a screen. That's what I tune into hockey to see. I, I just figured it out. The reason why you're this way is because you got screwed by the high stick, and now you want everyone else to feel your pain. You're like you're that. Like that's your that's your villain origin story. Is that is the Carrie Fraser high stick? Wow, it's possible thought about that oh this winnipeg series man i i, I gotta yeah. tell you I'm, I'm getting a little sick of you canadian people i'm just gonna say it I'm, I'm tired about hearing how loud your building is and then i constantly have like people texting me and dming me going like that building's not as loud as nashville's building why is everybody trying to make that building sound so loud it wasn't that loud last night i i can tell you well, like from experience i yeah but even even when the game was well i mean i guess it was it was two nothing but yeah it, the first first night was loud Second night, like last night, was noticeably not as loud. Like I will tell you, when they made the playoffs the first time, so 2014 or 2015, I actually went to Winnipeg for the first game. Oh yeah, and and I was planning to write basically that piece because I'm like I'm I'm sick and tired of every every arena gets called the loudest building just because it's the playoffs. And it's like oh they're loud. Yeah, you're supposed to be loud. It's the playoffs. <laughs> of course you're supposed to be loud. And I was, I went there and I was ready to write the piece where I was like, you know what? It's, it's, it's a nice atmosphere. It's good, but it's not all that loud. That place was loud as crap. Like I, my ears hurt for, for like a day afterwards. So I don't, I'm, I'm assuming it's been the same this year's playoffs. I haven't been out there, but I, I gotta say, you know, last night maybe accepted because they were, they were losing that, that building really, really does get loud. But like, it's also, I don't really care that it's loud because like you said it's the playoffs every yeah. building is loud that's my favorite like thing when i check twitter at like seven fifteen, and it's like oh my god it's so loud in here yeah it's the game is about to start that's that's what happens before every yeah. playoff game and especially when it's like a, a market that isn't typically considered like you know like i remember years ago like carolina would make the playoffs they'd be like oh hockey's back in carolina man they, this 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 crowd is great. it's like yeah it's the playoffs they had eight thousand people a few months ago like you can't like yeah it's this is how it's supposed to work yeah and and, and the fact that like they're, they're they're attributing the wins to the crowd like oh man yeah the crowd's really energizing them really because they lost two of three at home to nashville so i don't know how now, now they're one and one against vegas i, I don't really they think really it matters. they really seem to throw off mark andre Fleury with their goalie 
chanting. <laughs> that was the best. Taunting. Which, by the way, I, I wrote on Friday about the goalie taunt chant and how people weren't doing it right. And I think I got more response to that than just about anything I've written all year. Like in terms of positive response, I had people emailing me like, thank you for saying it. Wait, wait, what do you mean? How are they not doing it right? Because, because if, if when you're doing the goalie chant, first of all, two things. First of all, you don't do it when the guy has a shutout going. Like it's, it's a taunt when the guy has screwed up. So it's either he's getting shelled or he's given up a really terrible goal. That's when you break it out. But the other thing is you gotta do, it's gotta be, it's a two syllable chant. You can't be chanting hella buck at somebody. Yeah, it's hard. You can't be, you gotta, it's gotta be two syllables and preferably the first name. That's it. If the first name's two syllables, you go with that. If it's the second, you've got to use the second name. That's fine. Like in, in the Boston series, they were chanting Anderson. It's like the dude's name is Freddie. Just (laughs) Freddie. It works perfectly. (laughs) It's the Daryl Strawberry chant. They didn't chant Strawberry. They chanted Daryl. Like it's, it's more condescending to do the first name. And yeah, hockey fans are are screwing it up everywhere. I don't know if I agree with the first name though, because Hextall is the most popular one. And, and Hextall, because his name was Ron Hextall, right? Like you didn't, you like Ronald. Ronnie or Ronald. That's and that's fine. Like first name, if it's two syllables. If not, second name is is fine. Like I never thought the about that. the like with Belfour, it was Eddie, right? You you drop the Eddie on him, you know, not Belfour. That's and then years later, fans would hit him with Belfour, and you were like, no, oh, that's. That's not even, it's the same guy. But it was Rua for but, Patrick Waugh. They would go Rua. Yeah. But that was more like just kind of making fun of his name sort of thing. <laughs> that was like the, ah, this guy's got a weird French name. Let's. So so let's you would go Fleury. Sue. Would you go Subban or Malcolm? I go, I go Malcolm. Malcolm. Especially since here. Yeah. Yeah, especially since he's got, there's more famous Subban in the league. But I, I think either one of those work. Okay, but interesting. And certain, you know what? And people are like, yeah, but what if neither name is two? So then you can't do it. Sorry, Craig Craig Anderson. You find a different chant. You gotta. Oh, you man. can't. You can't drop a Craigie on him or anything like that. Like, <laughs> if you want, I had people. I had people trying to push that you could do Johnny for Jonathan Quick, and I'm like, yeah, okay, maybe. But yeah, it, no you know, at some that. point, at some point, man, you gotta you gotta pick another. Got to pick another oh. chant. I think they should just pick some random like fourth liner and, and start doing that chant on him. Well, they were chanting in Winnipeg. Them. They were saying, we want Subban, which was weird. Yeah. Like, well, you, but don't you want to just continue to score goals on the bad goalie that's let up all the goals? Why do you want Subban? He's probably going to come in and make more saves than Flurry. That doesn't make any sense. I don't understand. Winnipeg, I think they were, showing, they were showing their respect to PK <laughs> Subban. That must have been it. I don't know. Leftover. I, I, these, these these new hockey markets like Vegas and Winnipeg, they just don't understand the game like like, like Toronto and Ottawa. They don't have here. Yeah. this intricate intricate understanding of the game. Um, speaking of which kind of goal goaltending and also Subban, which takes us to Nashville, we didn't when we did our last show, we were still headed towards Game Seven in the Winnipeg Nashville series. Uh, we get Game Seven. Pekarene kind of has a a terrible game, so I feel like you need to remind everyone because yeah, I, you actually called. Oh, that's it. right, right. I mean, you we you you we talked about the exact scenario that ended up playing out. So I feel like you need even even though you you've lost some of your luster for abandoning the Caps, I feel like you need a a quick victory lap here. Yeah. So, like, I have this. It's. Like, I get it. Goalies don't get pulled until they give up three most times. And when they're two extremely bad ones in two minutes, like Rene gives up, they pull them then. But I just think there are certain points. Like, you don't do this 
oh, excuse me, you don't do this every single time it happens, but like all throughout the second round, Pecorine was either lights out or like a dude who just bought skates for the first time and he was terrible and you could always spot it. And now it's game seven, it's Winnipeg. You can't fall behind by a lot. And the first goal was just the most tragically bad goal you've ever seen. And you have to know at that moment, we can't use Pecorine tonight. We have UC Saros. He's at like 925 or whatever it is. He's a perfectly good backup. You have the replacement guy who can come in and do the job. It's not as though you have like 45-year-old Chris Mason backing up and you can't put him in. You got to go at Rene. Rene is giving you all the signs for six games. When he doesn't have it, he really doesn't have it. And he gave you the sign. He gave it to you right away. He said, oh, Tyler Myers. <laughs> hey, just put one right under my leg there. It's fine. You had to pull him there. You had to do it. And Peter Laviolette waited for the second bad goal, which was just as bad. I still don't know. What, on the first goal, I can kind of get it. Like maybe your leg isn't pressed down the way it should be and you thought it was. The second goal, it was like he lost track of the puck. He was like a dog where you faked the tennis ball and he kind of moved out of the way. And then like he just chipped it past him. And by then it's too late. And maybe it wouldn't matter because they only scored one goal. But the second that goal went in, man, like you need to – there's there's such rare occasions. The thing I wrote pointed out the time when – Ken Hitchcock left in Jake Allen after a terrible goal in game six against Minnesota in 2015. And it was the same sort of thing all throughout that series. Jake Allen was just shaky as can be. And whenever he gave up a bad goal, it was over. And they had Brian Elliott on the bench, who, again, is Brian Elliott, but he's kind of at the same level as Jake Allen. So make the move right away. And then in the second period, Brian Engblom's interviewing Ken Hitchcock on the bench going, hey, it was still one nothing at this point. He goes, hey, did you think about taking out Jake Allen? He's like, absolutely not. He's a young guy. We got to stick with him. And then 30 seconds later, it was, um, oh, who scored the goal for the Blues? Someone scored the goal, scored a goal for the Blues on this horrible wrist shot that went through his legs, and he instantly puts in Brian Elliott. It's like, buddy, if the leash was that short, you should have just taken him out after the first goal. And coaches just... They don't do that. They don't, you're right. They never. They never do. I guess my one thing is, if you pull Rene after one goal, let's say you come back and win that game, like you still got two rounds to go. Your team oh, built to win the Stanley Cup. Worry about it later. You have to. Yeah. You know, you can't worry I about. Just it. Feel that, like, that's you know, the thing. Is the, it's a whole ego thing where it's one of these things where it's like it's it. You're probably right, and yet the fact that nobody does it. Yeah, someone's got to be the first to do it. Like somebody, it's it's like you know being the first guy who's like we're gonna go for it on fourth down at our own thirty yeah, yard line it because is like that, right? you know. It's like and the, then the Super Bowl, Doug Peterson went for it on fourth and whatever on like his side of midfield, and it won them the game. And people are like, yeah, yeah that's what he should have done. That's a little more clear cut. That's more like mathematical and stuff like that. Like here's more of kind of a feel thing. You don't do this every single time, of course. You have to have the right kind of backup, the right kind of starter. And Peter Laviolette could do it. If he does it and it doesn't work out, he's not getting fired after the year. It was the perfect time to do it. And who knows? Who knows what could have happened if UC Saros comes in and he played well. He finally got beat like 30 minutes later by a Mark Shifley rocking yeah, off a one-timer. And, well, here's here's the, the weird thing is like that's now – our last image that we saw of Pecorine this season is him giving up two terrible goals and getting pulled and sitting in the hallway looking like he was trying not to cry. And the next image we see of him is going to be next month when he's in Vegas accepting the Vezina Trophy, which we all assume he's going to win. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> which is, but it's it's like, the, there's now, it, it, it almost not quite overnight because he did you know he had a couple of the rough patches in the series but it's like we went from Pecorine is the best goalie in the league this year at least to Pecorine is a, a bum and you can't win with this guy mm. I don't know like what do you do if you're Nashville you you 
come back. Like it's it sounds ludicrous to say like, do you need to upgrade goaltending when your guy literally won the Vezina Trophy? But do you? I mean, is this are you concerned, or is this one of these things where you go, we've this guy's played hundreds of games, we know what he is. The fact that he had a bad game in Game Seven was terrible timing, but it doesn't tell us anything about him as a goaltender. Yeah, but he had more than the one bad game. Like he, his, That's kind of his M.O. is he can be lights out for weeks and then crap his pants for a week. Right. And if you crap but your pants I mean, for a week... Isn't every goalie like that? I mean, every every goalie has a stretch of five games where they're uh, not very good in three of them. Well, I mean, Flurry. The fact that it happens in a playoff series... Flurry, hell you buck, haven't been like that. Vasilevsky's well, been pretty Well, Flurry, before last night, Flurry given up three goals or more in five out of six games. I mean, it, you know, that's not that the true? same, but it's, you know, that's he, he hasn't been... That's not he true. wasn't lights out during that stretch. It just happened that, you know, for the most part, the Knights still won. In, in the playoffs this year, there's no way he's done that. His save percentage was like 955. Five, five out of six games. Go back. He had, he had three or four goals in five out of six games. Uh, the, I think the last three against San Jose, and the, it might have been four out of five. But yeah, there was, and, LA, and he had the LA shutout. Scored, he had the yeah. shutout in the clinching game yeah, mixed in there. So that's probably what it is. Because LA but, only scored three goals the whole series, so then it's six yeah, against. It wasn't San LA. Jose. It was it was it was San Jose. But he was getting you know again. He's not he's not getting lit up, and he wasn't getting beaten on terrible goals like Pecorine was. Right. But you know even you know even there, like Halibut got pulled from from one game this in the playoffs. Like I, I don't know. I just it's it's one of those things where it almost like I believe that if you've got if a guy's played five hundred games, look at the five hundred games, not the handful of playoff games. But it almost becomes like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like if everyone's going to say that now Pecorine is the guy who can't win the big one, I don't know. I mean, part of being a goalie is needing to know that if you give up that first bad goal, you're not going to have everyone in the building looking at you thinking that you don't have it that night. So I don't know. And this this gets to the other subject that I guess we uh, that, that I wanted to mention is when as this game was going down i sent out a tweet that i thought was an original idea which i've come to find out was i i subconsciously stole from you plagiarizer how dare you i plagiarized from which means if anyone's mad at me for saying this you should actually be mad at dave <laughs> actually when i saw your tweet, I, when i saw your tweet i thought you were mocking me i was like what the hell yeah. man what no i wasn't i i i just <laughs> threw out just and you know this this wasn't a this isn't me saying this is going to happen this was just kind of like i i like talking you know throwing names out there and pretending we live in a league where people make trades and and take risks and that sort of thing and i said okay pecorine for henrik lundquist which team says no to that trade today which apparently as as i've come to find out is is a suggestion you made months ago well i just figured been, this is pre vezina too i just thought you right. want a guy in the playoffs because lundquist when the Rangers have lost, he really hasn't. I mean, he wasn't great in the the last time they were in the playoffs when they lost to Pittsburgh. But I mean, that team was terrible. But for the most part, like when they you go back to the year they lost to the Kings in the final, like it wasn't him. Like the Rangers no. just couldn't do anything against. And John he has Quick. and he has a, a an excellent record. And again, this kind of gets back to the point we were just talking about. He has a, he has a fantastic record in Game Sevens. So if you believe that mm-hmm. that this you know game high pressure high leverage situations really are different and goalies do perform differently than Lundqvist your guy because he's got a fantastic record. what was interesting to me is I threw it out there and I got kind of the typical response is that if you propose any sort of trade fans of both teams don't want to make the trade because they think their guy's better that's just 
you know, that that that's basic human psychology. If I have something and you have something, I think my thing is better, even if even if it's not. But, you know, you just you kind of start from that point, which is part of why it's it's hard to come up with scenarios where where people are making trades that make sense, especially if it's not like a future for veteran kind of deal. But what happened was like hours later, like the next day, I suddenly started getting this barrage of anger from Ranger fans. So clearly it got posted somewhere. I don't know if it was on a blog or someone put it on Reddit or whatever. And people got really riled up. And like and Ranger fans were just like furious at the suggestion. Hey, forget about it there, Shawnee. We're not trading we're not trading Hanky. You know. Oh. Yeah, I'm like, you know, who says no? And I like, you know, people uh, people with a brain say no. And it's like, okay. <laughs> um, people with here, a brain. Yeah, um, here, here, and here's the thing. Here would be my answer to those people. Look, I, I get, if, you're, if your viewpoint is, hey, I'm a Rangers fan. Henrik Lundqvist is my favorite player. I don't want to see him get traded. Cool. I totally get it. That's, that's, that's completely valid. If your feeling is, you know, hey, he's, this guy's been the franchise. He's been around forever. He means more to this team than he's going to mean somewhere else. And, you know, plus, obviously, he's got the no trade and all this other stuff that that adds up to this never happening. Fine. I get that, too. But if you're a Rangers fan, if you're a fan of a team that just missed the playoffs, they say they're rebuilding. Mm -hmm. You've got a 36-year-old signed for three more years at the second highest cap hit in the entire league at his position. Yep. And if you think the idea of trading that guy for somebody who is slightly younger, cheaper, on a better contract because it expires next year, right? and oh yeah, is about to win the Vezina as the very best goaltender in the league, if you think the idea of making that trade is not just not a good idea, but is so out there that it, you're, you're like offended by the concept... You've lost the plot as far as hey, valuing players because that, you know, most times if you say, hey, would you like a younger, cheaper guy who just won the award for being the best at this position? Yeah, most people don't don't get angry at that idea. People love Hank, man. Hank is a he's they a do. ranger icon. That's the problem. It's weird, too, because like. And, but the other thing was, you know, I had a lot of people say, well, they already they asked him in the season if he wanted to be traded. And he said no. But there's a difference between saying, do you want us to explore trade and saying, do you want to go to this team, which is the best team in the league, just won the president's trophy and and, and probably will go into next year as one of, if not the Stanley Cup favorites. Like, that's a different conversation and from a predator's standpoint obviously you're taking on a much worse contract much higher risk but you're getting a guy that i i do think is like i think lundquist is a better goalie than Rene today and has a better playoff track record so it's kind of if you're all in to win a cup anyways you worry you know the rangers need to be worried about 8.5 million in three years maybe the predators say we're all in today we're going to worry about tomorrow tomorrow and maybe the Rangers withhold enough salary where it balances out, where it's not really going to cost you more money. Your window is going to be open beyond this year. So what's your plan beyond this year? Are you going to re-sign Pecorene and, and have him do this again for two more years beyond this year? Or do you want to, I don't know, I just, I think it makes a lot of yeah. sense. But. but I just, I, yeah, I had Rangers fans who were like, uh, we want a goalie who's good in game seven. Thank you. And it's like, you, you missed the playoffs this year. <laughs> And you're rebuilding. Like, are you? You got a lot of game sevens on this. You watch. They're good. The Rangers are going to play four game sevens next year. And I'm um, going to get like. Remember I'm that get podcast, two, um, Sean? Um, what was that about game sevens? Um, I didn't. 
Didn't quite hear you. Uh, you, want, you want to do some of the reader mail? Want to do the, yep. the, the reader? Let's do it. The readers. Uh, let's see. Here's a Hurricanes question. I can't believe how much time I have dedicated thinking about the Carolina Hurricanes during the postseason this year. It's it's ridiculous. But this is an interesting question. He says, Clayton Anderson says he's hearing. I don't know if he has sources, but he's he's hearing that the total salaries for the Hurricanes GM, AGM, and coach are less than a million bucks. So his question is, how can a management group command respect from a team of multimillionaires when combined they make the same money as Zach Ronaldo? That is an interesting question. Well, it reminds it me of um, Seinfeld when Costanza got his secretary raise and she made more than him and it threw off the whole power balance. Like, yeah, like how do you, like, how, like why would why would you ever, yeah. you know, respect somebody that who's there who doesn't I, maybe? I guess my my only on? answer on that is it's this dynamic is probably in play just about everywhere. I, Carolina may, in fact, be an extreme example. I, I know there are other franchises around the league that are rumored to pay very, very low compared to what, what other teams do. But I mean, ultimately if you're a star player in the NHL, unless your coach is like Mike Babcock, where he's got five years at six plus million left, the, the, the bet, I mean, you're, you're dealing with somebody who has far less, you know, not just makes far less, but has far less job security than you do. And, and I think players these days know that generally speaking, especially if you're a star if it comes down to you or him, it's they're gonna they're gonna keep you, and it's gonna be the coach who goes. So, I mean, maybe it shouldn't be that way. I'm sure there's some old timer who can tell me about how in the '60s it 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 was it was better when the players all knew they would be, you know, doing hot tar roofing if they <laughs> talk back. But yeah, I don't I I I don't think it's it's gonna be. I, I don't think that's gonna be the issue in Carolina. I think there are many many more things to probably be. Uh, scratching your head about specifically the fact that you've got this owner who comes in he's going to be the big disruptor he's going to be hands-on he's going to come up with a new way of doing things and within weeks he's spouting the exact same platitudes about heart and compete level and you just got to want it more like just just just, the roster's fine just want it guys can you just want a little bit more please you know if you you want to pay back this predatory loan you just have to want to do it that's what you have to do you have to really want to do it uh one last thing we 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 haven't touched on Corey king asked this question that's kind of weirdly phrased so i'm just going to pretend Corey's question is hey sean and dave what do you think about gambling becoming legal across the united states what's that going to mean for hockey um I don't really know. I feel like people are kind of overblowing it because everybody's gambling anyway. They're just doing it offshore. Yeah. With like what, what's going to happen is you're going to be able to do it in the arenas at some point. Like uh, I, I, someday, I don't know. You think so? Years from now. I mean, it's not going to be soon, but you'll be, you know, when you line up to get your beer and your hot dog, you'll also be able to throw down a wager on, on whatever it is. And the other thing, and I got my fingers crossed, is hopefully widespread betting on the NHL if it were to happen, because we don't even know there's, you know, certainly in the U.S., I don't know there's enough interest, but that could spell the end of this stupid upper body, lower body injury thing, because that's the only reason. The NFL doesn't give us injury information out of the goodness of their hearts. They do it because of gambling uh, and because you don't want people having inside information about the severity of injuries. Maybe, fingers crossed, this means that the mm-hmm. NHL doesn't do this yeah. this stupid thing anymore. I feel like they won't. I think they. I don't think the issue is what the injury is. I just need to know if the guy's going to play or not. You know, it's not really if it's his knee or his dick. I don't think anyone really cares. They just want to know if he's going to play. So I don't know if that'll. It's a good point though. Maybe it might. I don't know. But I don't know. I just people are like, oh man, this is going to change the landscape of this, and now there's going to be yeah. more analytics and blah. I don't know, man. Like I just I don't think people are going to 
start doing more research on how to win a bet now that it's legal. If, if they were no, betting anyway, already, if betting. anything, if anything, yeah, that I mean, more of the analytics people will get snapped up by the bookies and have have their information. Trying to explain to people why every over Nothing. under is five. Why is every over under yeah. five? Well, here's the thing about hockey: is extremely boring and predictable, and everyone pretty much races to three. So if you get to three, you're probably going to win three two, and that's five. And then you got to get an empty netter. That's pretty much how it works. Um, that's all the time we have. I feel like we've we've it's flown by. We 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 laughed, we cried, we touched on stuff, hockey stuff, not our stuff. Um, not me anyway. I don't know what Sean's doing up there. But um, that's all I got. Read our stuff, five star our stuff, share our stuff. Um, and we got to get Kyle Dubas on. I know Kyle Dubas is a listener, and now that he's the GM, I feel like he can come on and refute all the statements from Nick Kiprios about how Kyle Dubas is too afraid to kill a spider on his own, so he needs Brendan Shanahan in the room to do it. And I feel like he and, needs to defend himself. And speaking of Kyle Dubas, I've got my post on Sportsnet going up today. I have ranked all of the previous Maple Leaf GMs. A hundred years worth of Maple Leaf general managers ranked from worst to best. It was one of the most depressing things I was going to say <laughs> I've ever written. I had to uh, just, I wrote it, I hit send, and I just stared off into the darkness for like an hour. Coming up, and also I have something similar. I will be ranking how every death in my family has affected me from least to most, <laughs> just to kind of stay with the theme. All right, everybody, we'll be back next week at maybe the same time. It kind of really depends on when the conference finals end because we want to, you know, recap and then look forward to the final and games sevens, games seven, game sevens or Wednesday and Thursday. Game sevens, so game sevens. They might not oh. even play them. So uh, keep we'll, we'll keep you posted and uh, we'll we'll be back then. So thanks for the stopping by and enjoying the colon and the podcast and the hockey and the biscuits. See Bye, ya. everyone. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.